many churches had. And I can remember praying the prayer to accept Jesus as Savior. It was at an event in eighth grade. I can remember being baptized at a youth retreat by some guy. I have absolutely no idea who he was or where he is now. Um, and outside a youth group, never, no one ever came alongside and intentionally tried to disciple me or train me. And I feel safe to say that no one really did that for any of my peers. Um, and maybe it's not that people didn't try, but maybe we just weren't properly equipped or supported to do it. Um, it was almost as if the model was to unintentionally get converts and then hope that the show is good enough that they stay. There was no intentional training in ministry. That's what Bible college was for. That's how the church viewed it. Um, which, by the way, is where the light bulb went off for me. Um, and I began to seek those to mentor me and start seeking those I could me- mentor. There was biblical instruction, but no challenge or opportunity to really apply what we were learning. I struggled through a lot of growing pains in my faith, as many of us do, in trying to figure it out without active guidance. I had great models, but no one there actively walking those steps, that road with me. As a follower of Jesus, we need to have an urgency to teach and to train others. An urgency to be an active guide in walking with Jesus and others. And have those who can mentor us and guide us. I'll never forget is seeing that church culture change. And by that point in time, I was married and um, uh, my father-in-law had become pastor there. And seeing the church culture change and was amazed by elders in the church being baptized. Like they had never, like something that, that we teach and instruct as a follower of Jesus Christ is one of those first steps in seeing a church where the elders had never been, because it was something, the development of someone in their walk with Jesus was not a, something they did. It had in the past been more important to have the head knowledge, but it wasn't something being lived out in their hearts. Um, and that, that really stuck out with me. So as followers of Jesus, if in our going, we're going to be disciple-making disciples, and we're going to teach and train others how to follow Jesus, all while being taught and trained ourselves, we need to understand who and what our power source is. If I'm going to coach and train in soccer, I need to know where the physical body gets its power and its energy to do the things that we're going to be asking of it. The same deal with following Jesus and living out his commands. If you look again at Matthew 28, 18 to 20, um, you see, all of, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, to Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we baptize. And then we see that Jesus will be with us always It baffles me sometimes to think that why the God of the universe would choose to use us to do his mission. Like why? (laughs) The God who created everything in six days, who made us all unique because of his love for us has chosen to use us to accomplish his mission. And then didn't just bail. He is with us always. Do we tap into that power source? Turn to Acts 1.8.
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They will receive their power from the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill their God-given purpose as followers of Jesus. The same purpose we see just worded differently given in Matthew 28 to be witnesses to all nations. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, Therefore, my beloved, if you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians 4, 11, 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Do we truly believe in such a way that shows we're fully dependent on God to provide for us to do his will? Think about how many opportunities or needs you or I may be aware of that we simply skip over without asking God what his desire is just because we feel like we can't do it or it takes me out of my comfort zone, or it's something that I've never done before, so I'm not going to try. So we just decide, we forget about where the power comes from. We don't go to that power source and ask him, Lord, is this something you want me to do? Discipleship, leading others to be followers of Jesus, becoming a follower of Jesus, becoming more Christ-like. I promise you, none of that is simple. None of that is easy, but God is with us through it. God gives us the strength. We need to have an urgency in prayer. If we're truly going to use the power source God has given us to accomplish his mission, which is him, we need to be praying to him and praying for his will. Pastor Greg just preached a a series in James talking about the importance of prayer in different areas. Um, In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we read, pray without ceasing. In context of that whole passage, we see Paul encouraging the followers of Jesus to do a list of things that help encourage them in their walk with Christ. Respect, be at peace among yourself, admonish the idle, be an encouragement, help the weak, etc. Then he gets to this point. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. The idea of pray without ceasing is not that we are constantly consistent, like just pray, 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 and never stop. The idea is that we're coming back to prayer consistently and constantly. We need to be seeking God in all circumstances for provision, for strength, and for direction. Do our prayer lists look more like a hospital visitation list, a birthday list, a Christmas list, or do they include those things along with seeking direction, looking for purpose, seeking God's will, seeking his strength and understanding. Prayer must be something we rely on. Do we just pray our desires or do we pray God's will? I try to make prayer my first option. I'm still getting there. It's not, <laughs> not one of those things that is always the first example I do. I can think of an example 
probably about 15, no, she wasn't born yet, the kid I'm thinking of, 12 years ago, um, that I lost my truck keys. And I searched high and low for my truck keys. And it's amazing how God works in this simple. And so I went through my work bag and I looked in the truck, even though I knew I couldn't get in the truck without those keys. And I'm looking everywhere. And finally, I just prayed, Lord, help me find the keys. And I don't remember if it was my wife who thought of this or I who thought of this. But finally, one of us said, let's ask Cheyenne. And I'm sorry, now I just ruined who it was. So... <laughs> So um, one, one of us went and asked Cheyenne, hey, do you know where daddy's truck keys are? Sure. And she took us over into a kitchen set and she had stuck them under a bowl in the kitchen set. I'd have never found them. <laughs> I would have never found them. It's a simple, cute story, but why didn't I pray to start? Like, like think of it, in the simple things, why don't we pray to start? It goes back to that whole urgency thing. And we tend to be urgent in crisis. We tend to be urgent when a major thing happens. And then when it's between events, we kind of slack off in that urgency. Why do we do that with prayer? Why, why am I not seeking God consistently in the simple? God wants to be a part of that. God loves us that much. He wants to be a part of the simple. And he wants to be part of the bad situations. And he'll take us through all sorts of roads. And the closer we are to him, the more we realize it's for his honor and glory, even when we cannot see it in the midst of it. <clears throat> I praise God this time around with that story I shared earlier of the Lyme disease, that he brought me to a place of dependence on him. And that he was the first place I went to going through that. Like, praise God that I've grown in a way enough <laughs> to have enough common sense in that crisis moment to be relying on God for those things. <clears throat> and like I said, don't wish those crisis moments on anybody. But boy, if we could all have that reliance on prayer and God's strength to do the things that he wants us to do. When I was at my worst point, I had a lot of time to sit and just meditate on God's word and prayer, and I needed that. Um, now I try and intentionally schedule it. I'm not sure I would have scheduled that much time or fully grasped the importance had I not gone through it. And I don't mean five minutes here and 10 minutes there. And I'm not saying that that is not important. But I mean, we put time into our schedule to be intentional about what we pray for and how we pray. Luke chapter five, verse 16. And speaking about Jesus says, but he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. Church, if Jesus needed to go off regularly, away from distraction, away from those he was ministering to, and pray and be with his Father, it's important enough that every one of us take the time to turn everything off, to get away from distraction, to get away from the things that are going on. Find a place to go and pray and focus on our Heavenly Father. I don't know how that looks in any of your situations. I know in my house, I love my kids. I love my dogs. I love my family. A lot of times I need to come here and lock myself in the small group room off the youth room to be able to have a concentrated time of prayer. Sometimes I can get up in the morning and have that, but I do what I need to do in order to have that. How does that look in your schedule? I don't know. But I encourage you to find that time, find that area to get off to, to be, to pray, and to listen to God. 
Think about when was the last time you shut everything off and got away from every distraction and spent time seeking God in prayer? Don't allow the busyness of life to get in the way of your connection with Jesus. There needs to be an urgency to be in and living God's word. Turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This verse is a great summary of the importance of being in God's word. It stresses both the importance of knowing it, using it, and why. It is from God. Because of God's great love for us, he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to understand him and he wants us to live for him. He gave us his word to teach about him. David, give us instruction on what is right and to use it to teach us. He gave us his word for correction, that we know what is wrong and we put action into fixing that and for training in righteousness. God's word teaches and trains us in order to live lives pleasing to him. But we also must put what we know into action. God did this so that we may be complete and equipped to do every good work. Now, what are those good works? Those good works are the things that he commands us to do. We need to be urgently engaged in God's word so we can be effective and active in living out his mission here on earth. And we know from the other passages we read, Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1, our job is to be witnesses of Jesus in the world and the community around us. And that is our urgent calling. So we need to be urgently sharing and living God's purpose out in the world. In the New Testament, you see the followers of Jesus living lives that were expectant that Jesus was coming back tomorrow. How many of us live with that urgency? Do we really truly live like tomorrow's not an option? Today is my option to take advantage of doing everything I can do for God now. Like, do we really do that when you think about it and we process? We all make plans for tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that. There's certain things that according to God's word, we must be urgent enough. We need to be doing it now and today. Do we live for those things? Are we putting them off? Tomorrow's not promised. And unfortunately, that was a good reminder I had (laughs) that tomorrow is not promised. I've seen it over and over again, honestly, this, this past fall, that through different things and different experiences in people's lives. Do what God is calling you to do now. Make a plan to do what God is calling you to do now. What passions and ability has God given you? And how does he want you to use them for his glory? What has he laid on your heart? Maybe it's just by starting out getting regular time in prayer in his word so you can get an idea of what it is he wants you to do. Getting a mentor or someone to help you walk that road. Maybe you hear all this and you hear me talk about urgently following Jesus, but you have no idea what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Today, I would love for you to commit to begin that journey. There is an urgency to it. We have people who would love to meet with you and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that if we believe in him, we get to spend eternity with him. If today you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus, 
I urge you to act. And I urge you to act now. Like I said, tomorrow is no guarantee. So if you'd like to follow Jesus, I invite you right now to just stand. And somebody will come with you and you'll go out to a room and they'll, they'll share with you and explain to you what that means. But if you want to know what it is to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to commit your life to following him today, I encourage you to stand up. And like I said, someone will come alongside you. That's where it begins. This journey of becoming a follower of Jesus begins there as accepting him and saying, Lord, I'm going to live for you. And the awesome part is that God loves us all so much that he desires that relationship with us. In Philippians 2, 12 through 16, I want to close with this while the worship team comes up. And kind of like a prayer um, through this passage. Therefore, my beloved, if you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of God, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Amen.